The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. My next guest is the host of iHeartRadio Nights and the evening show on Cham 104.5 here in Toronto. She actually came out on the radio, but she wasn't always comfortable to share her story. For many years in radio, I was telling stories, but I was using like gender neutral terms in order to like not. So I was kind of like finding my way around it. And with that comes a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And you always have to second guess everything that you're saying. And there's just a a lot of weight to that. So it wasn't until I just felt like I was at a point where I was like, okay, listen, I'm just going to like openly be myself. I'm going to talk about the things that are important to me. I'll still even get backlash, but it's really just like fired me up to like talk about it even more. I personally believe my guest, Shannon Burns, is the future of radio. Thank you for being on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. What an intro. There's a time in my life where I thought I was the next generation of radio, but I look at what you're doing. You're like, you are all over the place right now and your interviews are stellar. You're like probably the TikTok coach for radio people in Canada. (laughs) I kind of feel like it right now. I have like a lot of my meetings throughout the last couple of weeks have been with like stations going through TikTok things. So yeah, yeah, I feel like a little bit of a coach, but I'll I'll take that uh, title proudly. So for for the pandemic specifically, um, work for you has been sort of a mix between iHeartRadio, your evening show on Chum, and then um, gaining millions of followers on, (laughs) on TikTok. So in your day to day right now, what does, you know, the priority go to when you have so many things on the go? Yeah, that's a really good question. Cause I do feel like, I feel like I keep filling my list with like so many different things that I'm doing. And then I constantly, am just trying to do all of the different things, but I do, I host two radio shows a day. So I host one that's a syndicated show for iHeartRadio that airs on all the Virgin radios across Canada and a few Sun FMs in there as well. So during the day, that's my main priority. At the end of the day, I'm a radio host through and through. So that's what I really put my focus on. And then every night from seven to 10, I do my show on Chum. So those are the things that I want to do and succeed really well with. And then any extra time that I have after that goes to everything else. So anytime that I can find like a few minutes of my day, that's when I'm like focusing that on TikTok and making online content. And, uh, and then that's already like after doing all the prep for the interviews that I have that week and yeah, the, the full other list of things that I have going on. <laughs> so the syndication, I actually haven't had a conversation about syndication on this mm. podcast yet. Uh, so I think a lot of people think right now it's a scary time to be in radio uh, because, you know, there's just less of the pie to go around. Um, So with your syndicated show versus your live show, explain the difference of how you're preparing for both those shows. Yeah. So the syndicated show, because it is across Canada, it's a little bit harder to prep because I'm pre-recording the show, which makes it seem like it's an easier thing to do. But because it's airing on 15 stations, I don't know what song I'm coming out of. I don't know what song I'm going into. So it's hard to do like artist specific breaks, What, which is also difficult because I'm doing like top 40 radio. So I want to be talking about all these artists that I generally know that the station is playing. So uh, that there's a little bit of a struggle with that. And also just the fact that it's not a local show either. It's Canada wide. So I can't specifically talk about one story that I might talk about that happened in Toronto on my Chum show. Um, So I have to definitely just make it more broad. So it really forces me to be more creative in a lot of ways and maybe talk about things that I wouldn't necessarily talk about and keep it really broad. Um, Yeah, but there's there's struggles with that, but it's a it's a good challenge. I pre-record that show during the day and then I have that in by like 3 p.m. because of it airing in so many different markets, they have to get it into each station at a certain time for the producers to like put into the system. And then, yeah, and then I just do like a regular live evening show on Chum in Toronto, so. 
do you find that you can recycle some of the material? Cause at least you're covering the same form. Oh, yeah. Genre? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes people, people are like tuning into both my shows and they're like, Oh, you like told the same story. And I'm like, well, it was a big story that day. And I didn't want to not yeah. talk about it on one in order to talk about it on the other. So, um, yeah, I'll try and just like separate it time-wise because my, the syndicated show does also air in Toronto. So I'll just like put one in the beginning of my Trump show and the other will air like near the end of my Virgin show or whatever. So how long have you been in radio? Uh, like 2013, 2014. So I, what's the math on that? Yeah. Oh, we years. went to radio school, right? So yeah. don't ask me. But. <laughs> don't want to do math. Eight years. I want to say eight years. years. Yeah, yeah. About eight years now. So yeah. <laughs> the radio landscape has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. And, you know, even things that I think about now, like how I might've been one of the first like radio hosts in London, Ontario on Twitter, I think about it now and I'm like, now I have no idea how to use TikTok, really. I've done like two things. <laughs> so how do you how do you bring the trends of technology and social media to your show? How do you try to integrate? Yeah, that's a really good question. I feel like I've always noticed with getting into radio is that how important social media was as a part of radio, because a downside to radio is that a lot of people can't see our faces, which is good because you get that intimacy on a level. But I always find once people know what I look like and once people have seen me or follow me on social media, it really adds to that um, connection and that relationship that I have with the listener. So I always have been trying to figure out ways to like integrate social media with the show as well in order to like form that whole like community of people. So TikTok I found was like the perfect key to do that with because I started showing off different aspects of my life. And as soon as people started to piece together, they're like, oh, your voice sounds really familiar. Or like, oh, I listen to that station all the time. And they think it's so cool that like Chum is on TikTok and things like that. Um, I noticed that people were really into that. So I was like, oh, I want to like feed into that. Like, how can I make that grow? So I started just really making a lot of my content on TikTok, like radio focused and showing behind the scenes of radio and like playing games with my followers on TikTok. I love your games on TikTok. So yeah. funny. And I, because they say it's like so important to like engage on TikTok as it is on radio. So I was like, okay, what's a way that I can like engage with my TikTok followers, but then like integrate it into my show. So then I had people like on TikTok comment like a secret word that I have to like somehow sneak into my radio show. <laughs> so, which is great because it's kind of like an inside joke with all of my TikTok followers because they know what I'm doing and they see it on TikTok. But anybody that's listening to the radio would have no idea that any of that and is. And they're going like, on. why, why is this girl talking about chapstick or whatever? Yeah. I love the chapstick one. Where you had to put on chapstick like oh yeah degrees. yeah because now now I feel like I'm getting a little bored of the code words they're not yet so I'm surprised by that but I was like I want to do something else so now it's turned into like a lot of dares so now there's just like a lot yeah things that I'm starting to do in the studio um yeah, yeah while I'm on air what if it turns into truth or dare <laughs> <laughs> then I'm screwed <laughs> so you were actually nominated to come on this podcast by one of your co-workers um, Meredith Shaw in I love how, you know, that's someone who's been in her role and a well-known personality for quite some time, sort of like giving kudos to the next generation. Right. Um, when you were first getting into radio, was there anyone who really like took you under their wing and showed you the ropes? Yeah, I feel like there's there's lots of people like throughout my career. I feel like I, I really thrive off of like getting feedback from other people or just like bouncing ideas off of people. So I really have like um, a group of friends in radio that I'm constantly going to. But yeah, there's always people like on the rise, but I'm found specifically in Toronto because we are such like a close knit um, group with like Virgin and Chum and everything. And there's just so many women that I found it's been so, it's just like such an, a supportive environment. So I, I really feel like I can like go to anyone as like 
a way of like mentorship. But Meredith is somebody, for example, who like from the moment that I started at Chum, I was just like bright eyed, like so excited to be in Toronto. That was like always my goal in in radio. And I moved I'm from the this area, but I moved to Alberta for like five years in order to get experience in radio. So making it to Toronto was like always the goal. And she's somebody that right away, like took me under her wing and we've always been there to help each other. Like I'll, um, edit a video for her, but she'll like style me for an event and we'll like use each other's (laughs) skills to like help each other out. And I think, um, there's so many great people that I know that, um, that do things like that and help each other out. So yeah, it's been really good. Cool. So you started in, in Alberta. What was, was it also CHR or top 40? Yeah. So I moved as soon as I was finishing up school, we had to do like an internship in order to graduate. So everybody always said that like Toronto is not, you can't just like expect to get into Toronto right away. So, and they're like, it helps if you like go to a smaller town or whatever. And I was kind of looking for like an adventure. So I applied at a bunch of stations out West and I ended up getting one just like as an intern and helping out in the promo department for uh, the stations that are called play 107. It's like a Harvard station. Cool. Um, so I worked there. I ended up becoming their like promotions coordinator and I was doing a little bit of on-air stuff for them um, for about a year. And then I was offered a job hosting, uh, like co-hosting a morning show of a rock station for Roger Station in Medicine Hat, Alberta, which is like a (laughs) town. I think there's like 50,000 people or something. I'm not a rock girl at all. I'm like a pop girl through and through. So that was such a challenge for my first show. But yeah, a good challenge to have. Well, I always find I've had the the best uh, lessons learned coming out of a format I'm not necessarily comfortable with um yeah oh totally as a rock girl who what like I launched a pop <laughs> channel on Sirius XM last summer and that was a learning curve for sure yeah it definitely puts you um out of your like comfort levels but I feel like yeah that's always the best challenge and they had me doing news and sports which is just like only getting further away from everything <laughs> that I know so I'm glad that that all happened when I was in like a very small town with no one that I knew so I could just go and embarrass myself and be bad <laughs> and then I was only there for about eight months and then I got a job at Virgin Radio Edmonton so I ended up moving back to Edmonton so I felt like that was that was pretty good because by the time that I got back to Edmonton and did my own show I was like okay I do have some experience now I've like yeah I've done all of that stuff gotten all the nerves out and now I can just like grow yeah. It's funny what you're saying, even about sports, like uh, you have to somehow find a way to align with the station brand, like in your personality. Yeah. Um, So I feel like, you know, Virgin and and iHeartRadio and Chum, those are very good fits for you. What do you love about aligning with those brands? I just, the reason that I got into radio in the first place is because I never felt like I was really good at anything, but the thing that always I was so interested in was pop culture and just like the celebrity world and Hollywood and movies and all of that stuff. So, um, because that was, that's what I felt like I was good at. I wanted to find a career path that would let me use those skills in some way. So radio seemed like such a good fit for that. And I just like to talk a lot. So it was, (laughs) yeah, it was easy. Um, but yeah, so it was all those things that I loved about about it. And I just feel like that's like the only information that I like hold on to. So, and I love being like the first person to like tell a story. Like if something happens, some weird celebrity scandal or something, I'm always like the first one in my group chat being like, did you guys see that this happened? And people are like, no way, that's crazy. And then I always get like satisfaction out of that. So I think being a radio host and being able to like share those stories and even now like make TikToks about those stories and people jump in on the conversations and all of that and help lead that, then I don't know. I just get like such a kick out of it. So how much are you talking about your personal life on the air? So, I mean, like just from watching, let's say your social media, you know, someone who doesn't really know you, I can tell that you have a partner that doesn't live in Canada and yeah. you know, you're, you're open about your relationship. 
Yeah. So I'm trying to on air, I find it's a little bit harder than on social media because on social media, you're just, it's there to be yourself and you're showing off parts of your life, but I'm trying to do it more and more with on air. But I also like, I struggle with, um, I'm like, okay, how much do people actually care about like my girlfriend that lives in Chicago and the borders closed and we haven't seen each other in a year. Like, but I think like, and how relatable is that of a situation to be in? But, um, yeah, whatever people, whatever I get a good response from is kind of like what I'll feed into more. So if like people find interest in that, like I find on TikTok and things, people are very intrigued and they have a lot of questions about the fact that I, that my girlfriend lives in Chicago, um, and, and different aspects of my life. And especially with being gay, um, um, so then I'll, I'll talk more about that if people are interested in that, or if people reach out, like a lot of young people will be like, I'm gay and I'm struggling with my sexuality and you've been a great role model for me in that way. So then that just encourages me to then talk about things more and talk about different issues and stuff like that. Relatable, right? Relatable. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I grew up like being very much in the closet for like many years. I didn't even openly talk about being gay, like on social media until just a couple of years ago, um, because I did grow up in a very religious community where it was very shamed upon to like, even talk about it or, or especially talk about it openly. So it was something that I, I, for, for many years in radio, I was telling stories, but I was using like gender neutral terms in order to like not. So I was kind of like finding my way around it. And I found that with that comes a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And you always have to second guess everything that you're saying. And it, there's just a, a lot of weight to that. So it wasn't until I just felt like I was at a point where I was like, okay, listen, I'm just going to like openly be myself. I'm going to talk about the things that are important to me. I'll still even get backlash. But for me, that until now, it's like, it's really just like fired me up to like talk about it even more and like see how important it is to talk about and share with. And I find too, like anytime I'll talk about my relationship or like past relationships that I've had or anything, people, yeah, people are constantly reaching out specifically due to the fact that we are gay. And they, and I just think even now it's not portrayed enough in the media. So people are going to like online personalities and, and people that they see, yeah, on social media. And the fact that I felt that way even a few years ago shows that there's like still so many issues when it comes to like the LGBTQ plus community. So that only now encourages me more to talk about those things so that other people don't have to feel that same way. When you wanted to get into radio and when you decided this was going to be your thing, like who was a role model for you based on some of those things? Yeah. So when I was like still in the closet and I was in college and everything that I found that there was a struggle, like I didn't relate to too many like queer people in movies and TV shows and things like that. I mean, there was like Ellen who was really great, but even then she was like an older person. So I didn't feel like I related to her too much on that. And so for me, it was like a lot of YouTubers. Like that was really the like generation I feel like I grew up with was just like watching a lot of like LGBTQ plus creators on YouTube who were just like making videos about their everyday life. And then for me, I was like, oh, I can, I can live like that. Like, oh, if I come out, like that's, that's what my life can be like. And now I find, I, I look back now and I'm like lucky enough to be a lot of friends, like to be friends with a lot of people that I ended up watching on YouTube because I'm like a creator now too, and all of these things. So it's cool to like see that full circle moment, but there was just like pretty much anyone that I saw online that was like gay and young and cool looking. I was like, wow, I want to be just like you. So I just, um, um, so I think I see the importance of that portrayal online for other young people. So that's what's really helped me. If you're comfortable to share, uh, you mentioned the word backlash. And even if it wasn't straight backlash, but just a, a moment of apprehension to really be yourself, that was kind of tough for you to work through. Yeah, I found that it's funny because it's more of like the community that I grew up with that I get the most backlash from. And it wasn't uh -huh. until I like got into radio that I was like, oh, like not everyone is going to judge me for being gay. And I'm, and it was really nice to like get into radio because it was kind of the first time that I 
entered the world that wasn't this like church community that I grew up in. So I really liked it. And it was really refreshing to be like, oh, there's an entire world out there of people who like are okay with people that are gay. It's crazy. <laughs> so that, that was like a learning lesson for me. And that's like, I've always appreciated like my, my radio family for that. Um, but I have found throughout the, my career there, there has been, you, you can always tell, and you can always sense it in a room when you're talking about something like that. And you can feel somebody get like a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so I've definitely been in situations like that where, or I'll like pitch an idea for like a pride video, but like somebody won't want to shoot it and they'll come up with an excuse as to why they don't want to shoot it. But you like know in your heart why they don't want to shoot it. So there's like, there's things like that where it's not blatant and they won't say it to your face, but you like, you, you see it there and you can feel it. So that's always um, a little tough, but you just gotta, yeah, move past it. And then just like talk about it even more just to make them a little more uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Has, has there been a moment where, um, has there been a, a learning opportunity for someone else that you've sort of helped to educate someone else on something? Like I think online I have, I feel like I, and it's surprising too, because TikTok, because I feel like people see TikTok as like a Gen Z app where everybody's inclusive and all these things. But I have seen more homophobic people on TikTok in the last year than I like thought wow. existed. Like I'll, anytime that I'll post about my girlfriend or I'll post about being gay or like talk about it when I'm like live streaming or anything, there's always people who come with like really ignorant questions where you can just see that they're just have never been exposed to people like that. And they're just, it's just un uneducated at the end of the day. So I try and like really not be offended by things like that and like take it as an opportunity to teach people and and yeah. show that like oh yeah a girl can have long hair and be a lesbian like it's not that hard to comprehend <laughs> um and yeah so I I kind of have had fun with that too like I've collected all of like a lot of the hate comments that I've gotten and I've like turned that into a TikTok that I thought was funny and things like that so I really try and like use it to my advantage and also like show people in a way that like this is why these conversations still need to happen because this is still very much a thing where people are just like blatantly homophobic on the internet and not even thinking twice about it, which is shocking because you'd think that um, people would be a little more skeptical to post things about that online because it's it's so hateful and you could lose your job for, for being homophobic and all of these things. So um, yeah, I think that it just shows that there's so much more that needs to be done. So I'll just, yeah, keep mm -hmm. talking about it until everybody is, is on board. If there's one stereotype that you could destroy about being gay, what is it? <laughs> Oh, there's a, oh, I don't know. Um, one stereotype about being gay. Um, that's a really good question. I feel like, um, not all lesbians move in with each other on the second date. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a big one that people always bring up. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's so, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a really good question. That, that notion is even transferable to just any Toronto couple who can't afford rent. So <laughs> yeah. like, get over it. Yeah. It's like, if my girlfriend was here, we're obviously going to move in together because of rent prices. It's not because we're lesbians. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's a really big one. And, but I think there's also some like lesbian stereotypes that I, that I see a lot of people talk about that are also very accurate. Like the fact that all lesbians are like friends with their exes. Like I, that is very much true. And I am like very much friends with all of my exes. Um, so there's ones that are good too, that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Sure. You know who mentioned that on this podcast? Who's that? Your ex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who I'm very good friends with and work with. So gotta love Jax. <laughs> yeah, no, J Jax like brought it up, you know, that, um, like she loves all of her exes and there's just like, 
a, a real friendship that always stays. Yeah. And but if you think about it at the end of the day, it's like you were with this person and you had this like very romantic relationship with them because you have this bond. So I think for, I think it, it should make sense for any sort of type of relationship because you obviously were with them for a reason and you have a lot in common and all of these things. So it's like, why end that just because the relationship is over? Why do you have to like completely go your separate ways? So yeah, Jax and I, have always said that from when we were together because we were also coworkers and we own a house together and like all of these things. So we were like, if we ever break up, like we're just going to go to being best friends. And that's exactly what happened. Knowing that there are so many things to talk about in June, one of them being pride. Is it enough to have one month of discussion around this in this day and age? You know, we're living in a completely different time, especially with what's going on in the pandemic. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. And thank you for bringing that up. Um, I, I think a, an issue that comes up and is talked about a lot in the LGBTQ plus community, especially during Pride Month, is seeing all these corporations jump on board and oh, they yeah. they change their logo to a rainbow and they they say they're like going to be doing this and this for the month of June. But then as soon as the month of June is over, they switch back their logo, they like throw out all their decorations and then they go back to whatever. And it's almost become like the cool thing to do or the like the quote unquote inclusive thing to do to be um, involved and partake in Pride Month and like show that you're supportive. But I think we've reached a time where and a point in life where that's just not enough. Like you can donate your money, but also start an initiative or do something and, and show that you're committed to supporting the LGBT community all year round rather than in just one month of the year, because we're still there every single day um, of the rest of the year. So I think that's something that's really important. And whenever I do see like a corporation doing anything that's outside of June and not just specifically related to Pride Month, I always um, really will like take that to heart more and really I'm more appreciative of it for that. So instead of just like seeing it as a trendy thing, but to actually like commit to a, to a cause. Maybe you can share an initiative that you really identified with, uh, that a company started, whether it was like starting in June and continuing all year or just starting in, at another time. Is there something that you would share that you really loved? Um, I feel like, well, there's like things like TD bank, for example, like they're my bank. And I specifically like chose them as my bank because I know how much they like commit to, to pride things. And I was actually, I was in the bank the other day and I saw that they like have all these images on screen, but they'll like, they'll specifically make sure that they have like straight couples and gay couples and everything. And they talk about their inclusivity and what they're doing for the LGBTQ plus community. And they're ones that do it all year round. They definitely go hard in June, which is great to see. And they like decorate all of the banks and they cover it in rainbows and things like that. But um, they're, they're definitely uh, a company that I see, like do it, definitely take advantage of it all year round. You're seeing a commitment outside of just the, the month. Yeah. It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? 
Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. So what about radio specifically and and Pride? You know, you work for one of the biggest stations in Market One in Toronto. Is there anything that you wish was still being done or do you really feel like, you know, your properties are doing what they should? Yeah, I feel like for the most part, like our, they, they are doing what um, what they need to do and, and what they are doing to show their support. And I've always been appreciative of it for that reason, specifically working for Bell Media. I've been working for the company now for, I think, about six years. Um, and they've always been on board with like everything pride related and like fighting to get like a, a flow in the parade. And I've been lucky enough to like be on that flow for since I've been uh, joined Chum. So that's been really good because um, I actually joined the Chum team. It was like midway through May a couple years ago. So one of the first things that I did with the whole team was get to be on the pride float and be with like Marilyn Dennis and our entire team and we're all just like dancing in rainbows and and really celebrating so that for me was like my own little welcome parade to like joining the team so I, it's been really nice and they've made it very known that like this is where they stand and and they are really supportive in that way um like Jax and I will joke about how like June is just the busiest month of the year for us because we are like the queer people at work so it's been it's nice because our work will give us this platform and and say like okay go and create whatever you want to do like it's total free reign. So it really gives us opportunities to be creative and come up with different things that we want to do and share stories of, of people and use the station platforms in order to do that. So it's been really nice. And I've never felt like I've um, been able to not talk about things or had to censor myself in any way. So I'm, I love uh, the That's station for that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful thing. What are the things that make you feel empowered and to just be yourself on the air? Oh, I've always felt like nothing is really off limits when it comes to my on-air show. And I've always been lucky enough to have PDs and especially my PD right now, Sarah Cummings. She is she hires her hosts and puts full trust in them that they're going to be able to put on a good show and they can, yeah, she's the best. Um, and they can talk about what they want to talk about. So I have always felt empowered in the way where it's like, if I think something is, is good to talk about on air, I can trust my gut that it will be. And I never have anyone telling me like, Oh, maybe you shouldn't talk about that. Or maybe you should avoid that and, or anything like that. So I really go into my show every night and I really, I do just like trust my gut. And I'm like, okay, I think like this story is like something interesting, or I feel like like, this is important to talk about today, or this is just like a funny thing that I want to like talk about with a caller or whatever. So it's really nice in that way because I feel very empowered and I feel very self-confident in, in the content that I talk about. And, um, based on the feedback too, I'll like take that into consideration and then tweak what I'm talking about from there. But based on the audience and the feedback that I get as well, I always feel like I, um, yeah, can talk about what I want to and, and the important issues that I think are, are important to bring up. What about males? Uh, You know, we're working in a male dominant industry and, you know, I personally have felt very supported in the past, but there's also been moments where I can tell that they feel threatened or how's that experience been for you? Yeah. And I feel the exact same way. I feel um, like I was saying earlier, like working for this station where I work now, we have so many um, women who are in leadership positions, which has been so nice. And that's the first time I've ever experienced anything like that. So I love it in that way. But I, yeah. And up until that point, I've like only ever worked with men and it was maybe like myself and one other woman that was on the radio station. So I was, I've been constantly outnumbered by men and I've just, I've run into situations where it's like, I was hired at a station and I was working there for a while and I was getting close with the other male hosts. And I had a night where 
I was hanging out with one of the other hosts and we had, um, we'd had our rise at the exact same time. We got hired at the station around the same time. We had the exact same amount of experience, same similar shows and things like that. And I found out that he was making like $15,000 more a year than me. Cause we were just like, decided to just talk about our salaries. And I was assuming that it would be the exact same. Cause I was like, why wouldn't it be right? So then finding that out, I'm like, Oh, like there's, it has to be because I'm a woman. Like there's no other reason for it to, to be that way. So um, there's been situations like that. And I think just, I think radio has always been a man's game and that's always been something that's like known and people that's just like the, what the environment is. So I think we're reaching a time where it's progressing and it's no longer like that, but I still feel like we have a long ways to go. Yeah. You know, even in Canada, like job posting wise, you rarely see a salary number posted in Canadian job postings. Whereas like if you're in the UK, it's included in every single posting. And part of me wonders if that's because like some organizations aren't ready to balance that shit out. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. And I've I've talked to a PD about it before where we were just like talking about money and um, he was saying he was, because I was, I think I was asking something similar about that or like why, why the range is so big, because I've seen some smaller hosts get like such small salaries. And then you see other hosts get, make so much money. Um, and, and he says, it's like entirely based off your talent and your skill and like what, what they think that you are specifically worth. So I don't know if that's maybe like an accurate way to go about it, but, um, yeah, it's tough. And also with job listings too, it's like, there's so many, even in radio, there's still so many opportunities Uh, more opportunities for men in our industry, because it's so very rare that you're going to see a two female morning show. You're either going to see two guys or a guy and a girl. So that already shows that there's way more job opportunities for men in our industry. And, um, and when I've asked about that as well, a lot of PDs will be like, well, men don't want to listen to two women talk in the morning. Like that's just what it is. And it's like, well, okay, why don't we change that? Why don't we put two women on the air? And then and make them them listen. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Give them a reason or else if you don't change that, then it's never going to change. And that's always what it's going to be like. And we're never going to progress. So I'd also like to know what data backs that up. Like, right. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) And it's like, are we still at a point where like men don't want to listen to women? Like it's 2021. Get with it. I, I work really heavily in music programming, although I host as well. And, you know, like there was a time I remember where like we were talking about coding songs based on female vocals and male vocals but it was mostly because of like having a lot of female vocals back to back. And now you think about it and it's like ACDC, Zeppelin, um, you know, black keys, like all back to back. Like you don't have to code. You don't have to code. Yeah. Oh vocals. yeah. I have worked in the music department, um, like throughout my career. And we would have, when you're scheduling music, there would be a little notification that would pop up if you have too many female songs back to back. So then, and then you have to like separate the female voices so that it plays like every three songs, but then there's no such rule for men. And it's, yes. yeah, it's ridiculous. I feel like at the end of the day, men aren't going to like be like, oh, there's too many female songs. I'm going to switch the station. And if there is somebody like that, like, do you, I don't want that person listening to the station anyway. It's like, get out of here. Yeah. And, and at the same time, it's like, if you get females talking about the right content, it's, you know, it's foolproof. Yeah. Um, I see you do some like TV stuff. You do a Mm -hmm. podcast. Um, What's bringing you the most joy out of all the things that you do? Oh, good question. I feel like I'm always having fun in every aspect of my job and what that's, what's so nice about it and doing so many different things. It's like always getting mixed up and I'm always getting to talk about new things. So it's all great. Um, I, my favorite thing I find that gives me the most joy or just like leaves me on such a high is interviewing. I like love it. So the fact that you get to interview me, it feels very weird because I'm usually on the other side of this. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's what I, I love so much. And just like having the opportunity to have conversations with artists that I listen to and that I'm a fan of and then getting to listen to their album and then have all my questions, but then actually get to have a conversation face-to-face with them and then ask them about it. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, and it never gets old. And I've been doing it for iHeart for like the last almost three years now. So um, yeah, it's great. And it's a good challenge too, because you, uh, as soon as I'm finished an interview, I like think about the things that I would have changed and then I go into the next interview, like taking those skills that I've learned and then growing from there. So I feel like it's always something that you can grow and and get better at. So I love that part. I would have the same answer to that question. If someone asked me, I love interviewing and like whether, whether it's an artist or, you know, like this is such a new thing for me, interviewing people like in my line of work, like (laughs) really new and really interesting, but tell me about um, an interview where like the connection was unreal. Oh, um, I did an interview with, it's nice, um, being able to do interviews in person, which I miss very much because I feel like that connection and the body language is, is there. Um, I had an interview with Louis Capaldi and we, he is just like one of the funniest people on top of being like an amazing singer. And we just like hit it off. Like I swore at the end of it, I was like, he's gonna, we're gonna exchange numbers. We're gonna like hang out after this because we just like got on so well. Um, and that's one of my most viewed videos too. And a lot of the comments are like, are they flirting? Like what is happening here? So, and then other people will be like, she's, she's a lesbian. Um, (laughs) and it's so funny to see that, but yeah, he's somebody for sure that I left that. And I was like, wow, that was like, that was so fun. And we had such a good time. And I think that's always what I chase after now in interviews. Yeah. Hey, tell me about a lesson learned from an interview, something that didn't go well. Oh, uh, okay. That's a really good question. Um, I have, um, oh, that is a really good question. I did. I had one interview experience that was like the worst interview that I've ever had. We all Um, have one, please don't worry. Oh yeah, (laughs) I know. And it's actually been, I was listening to the episode with uh, you and Liz Trenier and she was talking about bad interviews. And I I was like, this is so helpful to me because now I feel like I'm not alone. So I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) But I had an interview. I can't say who the artist is because he was so mean and I don't want to like throw him. I don't, I don't want to get yelled at by him again. Um, But I interviewed somebody and it was through Skype and it was like during the pandemic and it was very much in the beginning. Um, and I, yeah, so we just like did it over Skype and he, um, how do I tell this story without saying who it is? So his, his wife came into the room right before we were about to do the interview and we're like making small talk before like we hit record and all the things. And his wife came over and, and gave him a smoothie. And I said to him, um, before we were about to start, I was like, Oh wow, you've got it made. But he thought that I said, Oh, you have a maid. He like misinterpreted what I said. And he thought that I was commenting on his wife calling her a maid when really I just said, oh, you've got it made. Like your wife's bringing you a smoothie. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, so he was not nice during the interview. And we just like did not, it was the opposite of Louis Capaldi. And we just like did not have a good rapport. And I was like very confused about why he was like, just not giving me anything. Cause I was like, I thought I had good questions and all of these things. And then afterwards he sent me a message on Skype and he just, he called me a lot of swear words and all of these things and was very, very mean um, about the whole experience. So then, so we had to like send it to the label and get it sorted out. But luckily enough, I had that part on video. So I could just like, I sent 
like my team in the video being like, listen, I didn't call a woman a maid. Like I would never call a woman a maid. Like that's not the type of person that I am. Like, yeah. and then all of them were like, obviously you would never call a woman a maid. And then, so we got it started from there. So I think maybe a lesson to be learned and like have good internet connections so that people don't misinterpret the things that you say or like speak clearly when you're on Zoom because people might take, yeah, um, yeah misinterpret things. So that what, was- What about yeah. that art of like trying to get something out of someone who doesn't want to talk? Oh, it's tough. It's really, it's such a challenge. Um, especially, and there'll be artists that come into and you, you understand that people like everybody has their bad days and things, but I always try and like prove to the person that I'm interviewing that I've done my research and that their time, like I'm not taking their time for granted. So that's always something that I try and, and take into every interview opportunity. And I really try and do my research and really show that I like, I know who they are and what they're about and, and I'm not wasting their time. So yeah, because you don't want to run into those situations where they think that that's the case. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, believe me. I've had my share of, <laughs> of great connections and bad connections. Yeah. yeah. It happens when you do as many interviews as, as you do, you know, it, yeah, it has to come up. Okay. With creating all this content online during a pandemic and you know, where Toronto is just Coming into yes. vaccination season. Yeah. Um, how, how are you feeling about how things might change for your career? Like as we return to live shows, festivals, hosting opportunities at events and not just like virtually. Yeah. I'm just dying to get back out there and like see people in person. I feel like that's when I can do my job the best is in person. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. And I feel like I was like on this good trajectory trajectory there we go yeah maybe um with uh, I'm a professional speaker for a living um but uh yeah I really thought that I was like felt like I was like on this trajectory and um and then it all of a sudden just came to a halt like so many other people felt like when the pandemic first hit so I was kind of bummed out in that way but it's I really wanted to not like waste this time that we had being stuck inside so that's why I really just threw myself into social media so it's been nice that now I can like come out of this pandemic with like a little bit more of a following online and more of an audience and like have more eyes on me. So I think that will then benefit me when we can like get back into, into in-person things and red carpets and all of that stuff. And then just continue to grow from there. Oh yeah. Like you have a hundred percent used this pandemic to your advantage. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> so, it's been good. As a matter of fact, I'm booking time with you after this to learn TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. We'll do lessons. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what was the best piece of advice that you have ever been given in this industry? Oh, I think, um, best piece of advice. I think something that, um, a, a lot of people learn right from the beginning is that, um, as big of a country as Canada is, our radio community is quite small. Everybody kind of knows everybody, uh, and your name gets passed around, especially as you grow. So it's so important. And I know people have said this before, but it's so important to not burn any bridges. And just be kind to every single person that you come in contact with, because um, as soon as you do that, then it, yeah, it, it, you never know if that person that you burn a bridge with is going to then become your boss uh, in the future. So I think that's, that's the first lesson that I learned. And then moving around in the first couple of radio stations that I was at, I was like, wow, everyone is literally friends with each other and everyone knows each other and everyone's boss has worked with so-and-so and all of this stuff. And it really helps too. It's like, if you build a good reputation for yourself, your name's going to get tossed in the hat when job opportunities come up and people are going to reach out to you and there's going to be more opportunities for you. So yeah, it's just that much more important. So I think I've been lucky enough in the industry to, yeah, to not have burned any bridges with anyone so that's far. Fun. We'll see. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I feel like 
I'm so scared of um, like having any bad relationships with anyone that I just am overly nice to every single person that I meet because I never want anyone to to think badly of me. Of course, of course. Okay, what about um, the advice that you would give to like a younger version of you? Oh, I think um, something that I think I'm still learning, but it's something that I've been trying to remind myself more of is just to like have more confidence in myself. I think I've spent so many years feeling like um, I was getting all these opportunities, but I had the whole like imposter syndrome thing where I was like, oh, I'm not deserving of the opportunities that are coming my way, or they're going to see that I'm actually like not as good as they think that I am. And then it's all going to go downhill. And then it's, they're going to see the facade and then I'm going to lose my job and all of the things like, which, you know, comes with any sort of person who has anxiety. Um, so I think I spent a lot of time and I still do like second guessing myself and just like not trusting that I know how to do my job and that I'll do a good job at it. Um, but it's taken years of like doing it and then looking back and being like, oh, like I, I did all right. Like those, everything that I did, like it worked out and I've been moving up in my career and all of these things and other people believe in me. So I think um, I would just tell my younger self just to like trust yourself because it's all going to work out and you're going to be just fine. So don't worry about it. Still yet to have an episode recorded here where imposter syndrome is not mentioned, whether you're <laughs> a media executive or an, an evening host. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's across the board for sure. Oh, for sure. And that even comes to like, people are like asking me advice on TikTok and things like that. And I'm like, I don't know how it happened. Like I'm still asking myself these questions. So it's like when it's the same thing where in anything that I go in, I'm like, I, I don't know anything. And people are like, okay, well, you must know something. And I'm like, okay, let me, yeah, I'll figure it out. But Okay. To end before I get your take on uh, some other fabulous women who I should have on the podcast, what's your proudest moment in radio so far? Oh, um, that's a really good question. My proudest moment. I came out on air, which was always that. Tell me the story. Yeah. So I just like, it was going, I was going through the time where I like was always talking gender neutral terms on air and my close friends all knew that I was gay and I was working in Edmonton and our morning show um, was Ian and Chelsea at the time. And they, they were like two really close friends of mine. So I was really talking to them and I was going back and forth about how I was like very scared to talk about being gay publicly, especially in Alberta where it's so conservative and you never really know how people are going to react. Um, but I wanted to like, finally just reach that point where I could just like talk about it and be like, okay, here, like, I didn't want to just go on air and all of a sudden start talking to like a girlfriend and then people be like, what? So I felt like I had to like say something. So they gave me the opportunity to go on air in the morning show and just like, speak my truth and, and say that I'm gay and talk about it a little bit and, and share that with them. Um, so that was like an emotional experience because that was the first time, like I'd never talked about it online or anything. It was mainly just like close friends that I'd known. This is when you were an evening host? Yeah. In, okay. in Edmonton. Yeah. So I, I was evening host or yeah, I would have been an evening host at that time. So yeah. So they let me come on the morning show and we just like talked about it and had a really good conversation and it was really great. So that was kind of yeah. just like a weight lifted after that. So that one was good. And then also I got to meet Oprah. So for me, that was a, that was a personal oh, one. Yeah. Okay. So Oprah's <laughs> just, you know, she's, <laughs> I don't even have words for Oprah. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started. Yeah. So did, did you have like a, an exchange with her or you were just viewing from afar? No, I got to go meet her because my coworker, Sam, and I actually were both like huge Oprah fans. And she 
Um, she ended up tweeting at Oprah when her show got canceled in Toronto and Oprah saw it and then tweeted her back inviting her to her Montreal show. So she took me with. So I was very much just like the guest of this um, thing that was going on. But Sam East, uh, who's on Virgin, she actually had the opportunity to then interview Oprah for eTalk, which was insane. And then I just got to go to the meet and greet and meet her. But for me, I was like, my career helped me get here. So I'm going to take this as a win. And um, yeah, I got to have like a full conversation with her and I sobbed just sobbed in her arms and she hugged me and it was like everything that I ever dreamed that it would be and I got to tell her all the things I'd wanted to say to her and it was yeah it was magical uh, what what are some of those things that you needed to say to Oprah yeah okay well if we want to get really deep um I like um what I had like a really traumatic like teenage years in, in like my home life and that involved like sexual assault and sexual abuse and and all of that stuff and then um and her show always covered those topics so because of watching her show every day after school, I was able to like mentally wrap my head around the things that were happening to me at home. And I think that really helped me in like my journey of going through all of that. Um, and it gave me the courage to like speak up about the abuse that was happening. So I just like always wanted to thank her for that because I was like, she's so much a part of the reason that I was able to talk about it openly. So when I met her, I was like, she, we like set, had our hug and whatever. And then I was like, okay, Oprah, I just have to tell you, I have to thank you for all of these things. And like, just like um, blurted it all out. Um, and then she like asked me questions about it. And then we had like a, a good, like two minute conversation about it. I was like, I'll take that. Two minutes um, with Oprah is money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I got to like say all the things that I'd always wanted to say to her. So in that moment, I was like, this is, this is the best. I love this. I love that. So the end of this podcast, um, try to give some space to some other, uh, women who you think I should bring on the podcast. What do you think? Yes. Okay. So there's so many, um, people that I had in mind that I already know are getting shout outs or have gotten shout outs. So, um, <laughs> there, because there's so many incredible women in our industry. So I'm glad that everybody is getting that recognition. Um, the guest list, I will say, is just like, I, I have like a guest list that I have to still work through. So <laughs> don't feel bad if it ends up being a repeat. It's okay to okay. give kudos to someone. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, you probably like, this is such a good idea because now you just have like endless guests <laughs> for the podcast. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it, if this person has been mentioned, but Ashley Greco, who is our afternoon host on Chum, she is just the best and she's so creative and so funny and amazing. And she also does um, a syndicated show as well on, on our move stations. So she's somebody that I just, yeah, I have to shout out because she's, she's incredible okay. um, in many ways. Um also, Lisa Keys. I don't know if you um, voiceover artist. Voiceover artist Lisa Keys. Yeah, she's a very close friend of mine. We've lived together for years and years um, when in Edmonton, and then again in Toronto. And she is just like her work ethic is insane. Her voice, um, her voicing abilities is crazy. And yeah, she's just like overall just such her a energy. She's yeah. got great, great energy. And you know what? I'm I'm really interested in you know her her journey from radio to just voiceover and taking on her own business. So that'd be such a, an interesting episode. Yeah, I totally think so too. And just like hearing how she did it all and what she's doing now and like the work that she puts into it is just crazy. Yeah, cool. she's so good. Um, I was just talking to her yesterday actually because I'm trying to like soundproof rooms and I'm like, you're the person to talk to. Like you're yeah. just voicing <laughs> constantly in your house. So yeah. um, she's really good. Okay, and then another person that I want to mention is a girl named Joss Richard. She is, um, she's worked in Toronto uh, in television and then she moved to LA to go work for the Ellen show and she's worked for Walt Disney and she's really just done a lot of work in media. But since then she's 
um, started her own uh, organization that's called Margo Community, which I'm lucky enough to be a mentor for. And what it is, it's like an inclusive online network that helps women and gender marginalized individuals like find mentors. So it's really... Yeah. And it's all about like normalizing women getting paid to be a mentor, because I feel like in this industry, we're always um, reaching out to people and like trying to pick their brains and like jump on calls with them to like gain any sort of knowledge. But so she's created this organization where you can go on this website and whatever it is that you're interested in, you can find a person that relates to that field and then you can pay them for a session or a few sessions um, to talk to them and then and pick their brains about what they do and, and then help you then grow in whatever industry that you're in. So it's like such a great thing that I'm and so as soon that. as I heard about it, I was like, yes, like this is amazing. So yeah, and I'm really glad to be a part of it. So I think she's somebody who definitely worth talking to. Thank Perfect. you so much. I love that you're an open book because you know, whether you're sharing stuff on your show or social media, like it's easy to feel like you know what Shannon Burns is about. And nice. I love that's an authenticity piece, right? Which I Feel like everyone in radio that's the goal that's always the goal it's authentic yes. that's the best compliment so thank you for having me on i actually i'm a huge fan of the podcast the beautiful thing about this little nomination process you're hearing at the end of the episodes is i've been introduced to so many fabulous women who i didn't even know existed my next guest was nominated by tracy martin in episode two and she's the vp of live music and events for maple leaf sports and entertainment As you know, I've had a lot of hosts and those in the spotlight on the show lately. And with Melissa Bub Clark, who's up next, she's making some pretty big calls behind the scenes in a role that combines the best of sports and entertainment. Please subscribe to the Women in Media podcast on your favorite service so you get a heads up when a new episode has been published. And until the next one with Melissa Bub Clark, thanks for listening. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.